So we're, this is the last uh, uh, message, last talk in our series on the pressing on through. We've looked at pressing on through the desert. Jesus pressed on so that we can press in, pressing on to fruitfulness, pressing on back home, pressing on to pour ourselves out. Last week we looked, it was Palm Sunday, and we looked at pressing on to obey in the mystery. And this morning we're going to look at pressing on from wondering to wonder. Now, the word wonder um, is a funny word because the word wonder, like many words in the English language, can mean more than one thing. Um, So if I was to say to you, I wonder if he's going to manage to pull it off. That word wonder has a feeling of doubt or questioning to it. Uncertainty, the jury is still out. Is he going to make it? Is he going to do it, yes or no? However, if I said to you, I wonder that he managed to pull it off. The word wonder now has a sense of amazement. How did he do it? And the word wonder can either mean curiosity or doubt, or it can mean amazement or surprise. Um, I wonder at her choice of friends. I wonder why he chose that course of action rather than the other, and then I wonder at the beautiful sunrise or at the, at the Grand Canyon or at the kindness of a stranger. So in my mind, the, the, the doubt version of um, wonder is in italics, like you see here, and the amazement version or the marveling version of wonder is in all caps. I wonder at that view. And I think that our journey of faith has both elements to it. We, uh, we wonder, and we question, and we doubt. And then there are these glorious moments when we wonder, when we marvel, when we are astounded, when we're shocked, and when we are surprised. Luke chapter 24. Cece, I'm sorry. You do all this work at uh, you know, laying, laying down these amazing tracks, and then uh, I go ahead and mess it up. My apologies. So here it is. Okay, let's calm and let's get into the scripture. (laughs) On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. I hope you have that image in your head. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he, how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. And then it's a quotation. Uh, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Verse 9, Then they came, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened like I said I think that uh, the journey of faith has the element of wonder in the sense of doubt and it also has the element of 
wonder, when we marvel, when we're astounded. And, uh, and the goal of the, uh, you know, of the faith journey is that, we would, um, is that we would move from the wondering, from the doubt version of the wondering, to the amazement or the marveling version of wonder. As we read his word, as we worship as a community, we relocate ourselves from wondering to wonder. And the Easter account uh, of the resurrection is a brilliant example of relocating ourselves or seeing people relocate themselves from a state of wondering to wonder. But as we know, the Easter Sunday story starts with grief. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Jesus is dead. He's gone. There's grief. And we all understand on some level what that's like. And sometimes when we're living with grief, it can be easy to shut ourselves down. Like there's only so much the human mind or the human body can absorb or take. Uh, So in a sense, when we're experiencing grief uh, or loss or maybe disappointment with God himself. Sometimes it can feel that even doing the basic things in life is beyond us. And so just imagine what it it would have been like to be one of those women in Luke chapter 24. Their entire world has fallen down around their ears uh, only two days earlier. The one from whom they sought comfort and hope and purpose and meaning, Jesus there, their very reason for waking up in the morning is now dead. And there's no way to get into this mind space unless you have experienced this yourself, unless you've walked this road. And yet, in the middle of their despondency, they chose to go to the tomb. Why did they do this? Why did they choose to go to the tomb? Was it because they knew that they'd find a resurrected Jesus there? No. They went because they had a responsibility. You see, even though Joseph of Arimathea gave his new unused tomb for Jesus to be buried in, one commentator makes the point that that Joseph didn't embalm Jesus' body as would have been the normal practice. And so the women take this job on them themselves. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and saw how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. That's Luke chapter 23, verse 55. So you see that these women in their state of grief still had something that they needed to do. And so the first chance they had after the Sabbath, they brought the embalming mixture to Joseph Joseph of Arimathea's tomb to treat the corpse in the proper manner, according to the Jewish faith. And here my point is that even in their grief, the women chose to go. No one else fulfilled that responsibility. We're not told about Peter or James or John. I imagine that they were in pieces back in Jerusalem, maybe asleep from grief, exhaustion. And so we see this ordinary picture of these ordinary women doing an ordinary thing, this right thing, as a sort of a grace, as a way for them, for them to keep taking one step forward when I, when I imagine that they just wanted to uh, shut down and block out the world. And for us, when we're grieving, whatever it is, whether it's a person or a circumstance or a lost relationship, when we're in the thick of heartbreak and loss, 
I would encourage us to view our daily responsibilities as a blessing in those moments, as a form of worship, as a form of serving Jesus. And you will find that God meets you with his mercy in the midst of the mundane in those moments. Now, of course, I don't mean simply pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or grinning and bearing it or being stoic or stalwart or any of those words that we don't hear used much in the English language anymore. I'm not saying that we shouldn't grieve. Of course we should. But I do wonder whether following through on the mundane responsibilities of life is a way to experience grief in motion. For these women, it was simply going up to the tomb and anointing the rabbi that they had come to love so much. So I wonder what grief in motion looks like for you. Maybe it's making the kids breakfast. Maybe it's waking up and having a shower. Maybe it's going for a small walk. Maybe it's planning time for a coffee with a friend or a walk in the woods with the Lord, just you and him. What does grief in motion look like for you? You see, friends, when we are obedient in the mundane, when, when we persevere in taking the baby steps of doing what we know is right, whether we feel like it or not, it's at those moments that we open ourselves up to uh, the possibility of unexpectedly encountering God himself. And so, as the women walked up, I imagine that they were replaying all of these fond memories of Jesus uh, as they walked up the hill to the tomb where he was laid. And every step probably brought new tears. Every step brought memories. Every step brought re regret. Every step brought if-onlys. Every step was labor. Every step brought them nearer to the tomb where they would have to confront face-to-face -face the reality that their dead friend and rabbi was indeed. Yeah, he was indeed dead. And yet at the same time, every step also brought them nearer an encounter with God, and all because they chose to go. Luke 24, verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were still wondering about this. Now, there are two things here that the women found out. Number one is that the stone was rolled away from the tomb, that the door was open. It would have been like if you go to the cemetery to pay respects to your deceased loved one, and as you walk in the cemetery, you look across the graveyard and you see that there is, there is a mound of dirt piled next to the plot where you're expecting to find your loved one. And of course, when you see something like that, it draws you in and it makes you want to find out more. And the same is here with the women. They see that the stone is rolled away from the tomb. Then they go to investigate. And upon investigating, they find out the second thing that the body of Jesus has been moved, that his corpse is not where they expect it to be. Now, they've not put two and two together and you know, come to the conclusion that Jesus is risen from the dead yet. All they know is that things aren't adding up yet, and our text today captures this moment with these words while they were wondering about this. Now, I could imagine the shared confusion. Uh, maybe one or more of the women suddenly broke down, overwhelmed with this news. 
It's one piece of information too much while they're in this fragile emotional state. Uh, not only have, had, have they had to steal themselves, you know, to go up to the tomb and to do the right thing and to embalm Jesus' body, but then they get there and Jesus is gone. So they can't even grieve for him properly while they were wondering about this. And sometimes when we're on our journey of faith, we have these moments that cause us to wonder in italics, to pause, to doubt, and to question. We're not, how, we're not sure how to process what we're experiencing, how to compute the data in front of us. And it's maybe at these times that perhaps we can take comfort in the resurrection story uh, on which our entire worldview as Jesus followers rests, that it begins with a group of women choosing to do the right thing in the midst of grief and then encountering a scenario that causes them to wonder, to question, even maybe, you know, to doubt. So what's the, what's the takeaway for us? I think maybe it's sometimes okay to marinate in the doubt, in the mystery. It's okay not always to reveal or, or to receive full revelation and full resolution straight away. I think sometimes that, that the life of faith looks like, quote-unquote, while they were wondering about this. And I think that sometimes maybe we've made faith too much about statements of faith and not enough about the action of faith in the midst of mystery. So I wonder this morning, what is it that you are wondering about? Maybe it's a truth that you've grown up really believing, but now you're not so sure. Maybe it's something that you feel that you cannot tell anyone because you're afraid that you'll be rejected if, if you say it out loud or that they won't understand. Wondering can be a very lonely place to be, especially and sadly especially in church. But these women wondered as a group. They wondered in community. And I would encourage you that if you have questions, then to be like these women and to do your wondering together over coffee rather than making doubt an isolation, an exercise in isolation. Instead, let's make it a reason for community. And our text tells us that it was in the midst of going, in the midst of grief and wandering in community that they found the answer that they needed. Luke 24 verse 4, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And I think it's so precious that in the midst of grief and while wondering and doubting in community, that the truth is shone into the lives of these women in such a clear and unmistakable way. He is not here. Where does it say that? He is not here. He has risen. You know, just think about it. If the women had chosen not to go, then they would have missed out on the most important words that have ever been uttered in the history of humankind. He is not here. He is risen. And if the moment when they saw the open tomb, the women had simply run back 
to tell the other disciples, you know, the men, then they would have missed out on this unparalleled message of truth and hope that he is not here, he is risen. But they didn't. Instead, they went and they wondered. And because they went and wondered, they, they heard the messenger of God say to the people of God, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. And I love these words because they are absurd. They are ludicrous. Because they fly in the face of the lived experience of these women. And I love these words because they're true. These women know that Jesus is dead, even if they don't yet know where the body is. And now this messenger of God is saying to them, almost in a a tone that is offensively insensitive, why do you look for the living among the dead? It sounds like he's on this kind of inside joke that they're not yet in on. But what they're being told here is that Jesus has no place here. Yes, he was there for a couple of nights, but he was just passing on through. It was a temporary residence. And now this whole thing about Jesus being dead, well, that's old news. That's history. Because something has happened that changes everything forever. He is not here. He is risen. But what exactly is the importance of the resurrection? Why do we make such a big deal about Jesus rising from the dead? Well, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 unwraps for us the vital truth of the resurrection. He says this, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ... We are of all people most to be pitied. But, and of course, look for the big buts in the Bible. But Christ indeed has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the, de- of the death also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And so the hope that followers of Jesus have is that is is our resurrection at the end of this life and it's only possible because of the resurrection of Jesus he is our hope in Christ all will be made alive and elsewhere Paul in Romans uh, chapter 1 verse 4 explains it like this through the spirit of holiness um, and you know once again this is one of one of the trinity verses where you see each member of the trinity at work through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. One writer explains the importance of the resurrection with these words. Jesus Christ's resurrection represents a demonstration of the power of God, the confirmation of the divinity of Jesus, that he was God, and the grounds of hope for Christian believers. N.T. Wright, um, uh, A theologian from the UK explains the vital nature of the resurrection in his own words. He says, death, the unmaking of the creator's image-bearing creatures, was not seen as a good thing, but as an enemy to be defeated. It was the ultimate weapon of destruction, anti-creation, anti-human, and anti-God. If the creator God was also the covenant God, and, and if the covenant was there, 
to deal with the unwelcome problem that had invaded the created order at its heart and corrupted human beings themselves, it was this intruder death itself that had to be defeated. And this victory took place in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is why the words of the messengers of God at that tomb are the bedrock of our faith in Christ Jesus. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must, must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered Jesus' words. This is the moment. I think this, this then is the moment where we start to see wandering transform into wonder. Friends, we arrive at the wonder of the message of the gospel through uh, not our doubts or our wanderings. Instead, we faithfully go and we serve Jesus in our grief and we verbalize our wanderings and our doubts in the context of community. And then God, in his faithfulness, meets us in that place of wandering and he transports us into all caps wonder. And this happens as we remember the words of Christ, like verse 8 says. Then they remembered his words. Now, of course, we don't have um, memories of the audible words of Jesus like they would have done, but what we have instead is just as good. It is his word written down for all time. It's been tested, it's been tried, and it has been found to be absolutely trustworthy. And it's as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. The Women went, and they wondered, and they heard, and they remembered, and then they told. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering by himself what had happened. Now, there's something that we should know about these women, about Mary and Joanna and Mary and the others. These are the women who have been faithfully serving Jesus for a long time. We read about these women in Luke chapter 8, verse 1. It says, the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them, support Jesus' work, out of their own means. They were bankrolling, they were crowdfunding Jesus' ministry. And these were the same women who were there when Jesus breathed his last. Luke, uh, Luke, Luke 23. 49. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. And these were the same women who, in the midst of their grief, did the right thing. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. And it was these women who first heard the news of Jesus' resurrection from the mouth of God's shining messengers. And in that moment, their wondering turned to wonder. And then they told. They told the other disciples what they had heard and seen, that Jesus was 
is not here, but he is risen just like he said he would. And some disciples did not believe because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And isn't this true for us? You know, we, we go about uh, our lives trying to be faithful, just like the women prepared the embalming herbs for Jesus' corpse. We wonder about these things of faith that don't seem to make sense right now, just like the women encountered the open and empty tomb. And we hear the words of God written in the Bible, and we hear the Spirit whispering His words into our, into our minds and hearts, His words of truth, just like the women heard the messengers of God tell them that Jesus is risen. And then we remember the gospel truth that we hold on to, that Jesus died and rose again. And because of this, our hope is not in vain. And then we tell others our story, and many do not really believe. Many will mock, many will doubt, many will question. But like Peter, there may be one or two who listen to what we say. And the Spirit of God will quicken these words to their mind and heart, and it will be like an itch that cannot go away. And like Simon Peter, maybe they will go to investigate for themselves. They might write into Google, evidences for Jesus, and they'll start to listen to podcasts or start reading the Bible for themselves. They may start to wonder, and this is where our story ends this morning with this cycle of wonder, Our wondering turns to wonder, all caps, and it causes others to start wondering in italics. It says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. You see here that Peter's journey echoes the women's journey, right? Because the women went And they wondered, and they heard, and they remembered, and then they told, and then Simon Peter goes, and he, or he hears, and he goes, and then he sees, and Simon Peter starts to wonder. And as we know, if you carry on reading, then this questioning in Peter's life turns into praise. And the curiosity in Peter's life turns into worship. And the wondering in Peter's life, just like the women, turns to wonder. And so this resurrection morning, with the Spirit of God living in you, I encourage you to go about your life doing the right thing, one step in front of the other. And as you're walking through your, cell, uh, through your life, look out for those moments where things don't make sense, that raise a question mark in your mind, that cause you to wonder or to query or to doubt. And then allow Jesus to meet you there with his word, with his truth, with his messengers, and let them remind you of the hope that we have in Christ through his death and resurrection. And then you can tell someone about it because maybe you are the messenger that God has brought into their life to turn their season of wondering into a life of wonder.